Well, good evening. Uh, I'm not only an elder, I'm the only elder elder. So, yeah. Well, we won't stay on that one very long. Anybody eat too much? Yeah. A friend of mine posted on his Facebook page from Hillsboro. He says, I now weigh 389 pounds. I get the feeling he overate just a little. And it was, for me, it was the pumpkin cheesecake. Now, we also, I I couldn't, I can't, it's more than I can handle as far as temptation goes. We also had, we also had carrot cake with cheesecake on the top of it. I can resist that. I didn't, but I can. Now, this is the time of year that we, we, we celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus, and this is the last Sunday of the year. We look forward to a new year. New Year's resolutions, I got a bunch this year. I normally don't make, but I got a bunch this year. You know, and, um, and one of them is I'm switching my Pilates class from Tuesdays to Thursdays. That's a big one. <laughs> I've been in that Pilates class for 12 years. So I'm switching to Thursday night. And uh, there are some reasons for that, you know. But we look forward to a new year. But, you know, this time of year, we were on our way to the... By the way, how many of you were here on uh, Christmas Eve? Wasn't that a great service? Anyway, we were on our way here. And uh, something... We were talking, my wife and I were talking, and something came up about Christmas traditions. And it reminded me that back to my childhood... Christmas wasn't a fun time, you know, and um, that all changed when I became a, a believer at 16 years old, but it, wa- it wasn't a fun time, and this can be the loneliest time of the year for some people. It really can be. It brings up memories and everything. They can hardly wait for it to, to get old. It can be very stressful for other people. Now, now that we know the Lord, you know, we spent uh, Christmas with our son and daughter-in-law and our four grandsons and their Rhodesian Ridgeback. Boy, has he got a strong tail. But, uh, and, and, our, and our grandsons. Now, but for many people, it remains very unhappy happy and sometimes a discouraging time. And that pop icon, Miley Cyrus, released a new song on Christmas Eve a very depressing Christmas song called My Sad Christmas. Thank you, Miley. Here's a couple of the the lyrics. This is just a sample. Why'd I even put up the expletive tree? This year feels kind of lame. I knew I'd walk in the door and I'd be alone. Isn't that sad? Miley also sings that she's hitting the bong this Christmas. Believe me, I had to look it up on on the internet. (laughs) She's hitting the bong this Christmas and leaving a beer out for Santa. Now, so that he doesn't get left behind, Charles Barkley also had a quote. You know, you know who Charles Barkley is? Okay, he did. Great basketball player now, a interesting announcer for TNT. He says, man, you know, Christmas is not a lot of fun for me because it just becomes a big waste of money. Everybody becomes a relative. 
They always want the gifts to escalate. So you can't ever give them a sweater if you bought them a house the year before. A house? I mean, you, a house? Give them an autographed basketball, but not a house. So today, we don't want anyone to leave here unhappy. Nobody leaves here discouraged. God loves you, and he wants everyone to go home encouraged. So on that note, let's dive into where? Acts. Acts, I want to go back a few chapters. Acts 4, verses 32 to 37. Acts 4, 32 to 37. All the believers were one in heart and mind. Oh, I love that. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there were no needy persons among them. For some time... For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, put it at the disciples, the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, here's the verse, verse 36. I want to stay here. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the feet of the apostles. When I begin to think about the stuff that I'm going to talk about this evening, about the life of Barnabas, and uh, I, was, I was in Sonora, Mexico, in uh, the state of Sonora, which is in northern Mexico. I had been in England, and I flew almost straight to Sonora, and I had to teach. And when I was in England, I picked up a, a Christian newspaper, you know, and I put it in. I wanted to read it when I got there. I got there, opened it up. There I am. Picture of me on the front page. Very critical of my teaching. You know, okay, here I am. I'm tired. Jet lag, something we don't get going north and south. And uh, I'm tired and I'm alone. And I have to teach that night. And I spent the afternoon looking at scriptures and I finally said to myself, okay, look, if a person came to you, I'm talking to myself, a person came to you, with this problem, what would you do? What would you, what would you tell them? So I answered my own question. I said, well, first of all, I tell them to sing praises to God. Because you see how often David, when he wrote a psalm, he would go through the depths of despair in the middle of the song, and he'd end up by praising God by the end. Second, I'd forgive the person, and I'd pray for the person, based on Matthew 5.44. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. I did that. And then based upon Philippians, I think someplace in, 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 the, in the overheads today, it said Philippines. It's really Philippians, not the Philippines. Based upon Philippians 4, 6 to 8, give the situation over to God and don't dwell on it. It says, do not be anxious about anything, 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard two things, your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Five Physical exercise is always good when you're down. You know, don't sit around, get out, do some exercise. And then I said, what else would you say? I'd say, don't isolate yourself. Being alone amplifies any problem. But let me tell you, I had to go from Sonora, Mexico to speak in a pastor's conference. But the final step for me was at that pastor's conference, I shared my heart with a fellow believer and he gave me a word of encouragement based upon what he knew about God, what he knew about the scriptures, based on the truth and what he knew about me. I got a word of encouragement from a fellow believer. Now, Barnabas here, that wasn't his name. That was his nickname. His real name was Joseph. Barnabas was his nickname, and it it came from what other people saw in him. It meant son of encouragement. Now, as you go around the world, nicknames are really common. They used to be here, and they're, they're really common. They, we lived in Mexico for 10 years, and they usually are described the personality or the basic characteristics of the person. When we lived in Mexico, uh, they called me Huerito. Anybody speak Spanish here understand what that means? It means whitey, because I stood out, you know, and... When John McEnroe, the great tennis player, when he was playing, they called him Super Brat. And he earned it, let's face it. Now, if you're going to watch the Rose Bowl, I am. Stanford's playing. That's my team, Stanford. Christian McCaffrey, the running back, is known as the Swiss Army Knife of football players. So it's something about the character. Joseph was called son of encouragement. The phrase son of can also mean in Greek characterized by. Think about that. Characterized by encouragement. Remember, remember uh, James and John? They were called the sons of thunder. Characterized by thunder. Apparently they had short fuses and uh, had problems with temper. But it's interesting, later on, John is known as the apostle of love. Obviously, Jesus did a great work in his life. Now, the word for encouragement, parakletos, is the same root as the word for Holy Spirit. Someone who comes alongside to help. Isn't that great? Someone who comes alongside to help. Let's take a look at it. I was involved in a, in a translation project. I was in charge of a, a translation of the Bible into Spanish. It took us 10 years. And we finished 10 years. My wife looked across the room at me one day and she said, all right, what are you going to do for the rest of your life now? <laughs> and um, this is, it came out in 2010. Yeah, 2010. Okay, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? I quoted her 1 Timothy 4.13. It should be up there. Until I get there, Paul says to Timothy, focus on three things, reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. I said, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. 
Those three things. Let's take a look at this word in a couple of passages. First Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, it says, not a suggestion, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. First Thessalonians 5.14. Encourage who? The disheartened. Now, why do we need encouragement? A word about Hebrews. The Hebrews, when the, when the book was written, I think that the Hebrews basically, when they took a step forward and they came to Christ, had a couple of defects in their faith. The biggest one was they thought, ah, I'm going to receive Jesus. Everything's going to be a bed of roses. Everything's going to go good. And it didn't happen that way. When they, be, when they became believers in Jesus, something else happened. Before, they were persecuted by the Romans. Now that they're Jesus followers, they're persecuted by the Romans and the Jews. They doubled their persecution. Wait a second. God's mad at me. God's mad at me. I'm going to go back. And so what does he tell them? The writer in, 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 in 12.3 says, he says, I want you to do all of these things, first nine chapters. And he says, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And that's what happens. And that's why we need to be encouraged. So you will not grow weary. I know what it means to grow weary. I I know exactly how it feels. It's when I go shopping with my wife. (laughs) You know, you go in, you look at these things, you look at this one, and you look at all the other ones, and you go back and buy the first one. (laughs) That is, you know, and uh, my idea of shopping is a little different. I like to go in there, get it, and drag it out. And that's it. You know, you're in there 32 seconds and you get out. That's the way I think. You know, that's, and then he says, and lose heart. The NLT says, and give up. That's why we need to be encouraged. encouraged so we don't lose heart. Become weary and lose heart. So what did he tell to them in Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 23 to 25? Listen, he says this. After all of these chapters, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. There it is. Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I've got some friends, we were over having dinner with them the other night. And uh, during the conversation, uh, by the way, uh, and I mentioned the church, you still going to that church? And all of a sudden, well, you know, we, uh, what happened is that uh, they got a little overcommitted, they became weary, and they gave up. They don't go to any church now. Great couple, young people, have one child, great they don't go to church anymore. Now, what do they need? A word of encouragement. Let's take a look at Barnabas in action, the son of encouragement in action, 926 to 28. This is probably a few years after Paul's conversion. When he came to Jerusalem, Paul, when Paul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, (laughs) but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. Now, can you imagine the rumors? Here he is, the Christian's greatest enemy saying, hey, by the way, now I'm one of you. Rumors. I don't believe it. 
So what do they do? But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. For Barnabas to carry out this ministry of taking him and bringing him or presenting him to the apostles, the people had to trust him. Now, around the world, especially where I work, nobody trusts anybody. I mean, it is, it is default is don't trust anybody. So that's why you see a, an awful lot of what Americans call nepotism. Because the only person they can, they can trust is, is their own children. So in, in the place where I work, you have to earn someone's trust. Barnabas had already done that. He had a reputation that went before him. He had a proven character and a ministry. And it's interesting that later Paul would send a word of encouragement to the Galatians. It's interesting his words. Let us not become weary. Same words. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And later it was Paul in prison who writes to young Timothy out of prison to encourage him. Now. What kind of a person was Barnabas? And by extension, what kind of a person do we need to be to be an encourager? Number one, he was not a flatterer. Not a flatterer. Now, flattery is not encouragement. It is not. We've all probably been victims of flattery. Uh, I have been. And uh, let me tell you, it feels good. It really does. For a while. And then it falls flat on its face. And uh, so important is the difference between flattery and encouragement that Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2.5, never once did we try to win you with flattery. Then Proverbs 29.5 says, to flatter friends is to lay a trap for their feet. And then Psalm 12, 2 and 3, everyone lies to their neighbor They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their hearts. May the Lord silence all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. What is flattery? I I took this uh, definition out uh, out out of the dictionary. It's right up there. Yes, it is. It's it means excessive and insincere praise given to further one's own interests. Barnabas was not a flatterer. So when I flatter someone, I do it to get something for myself. Listen to what Jude says in Jude 1.16. These people are grumblers and complainers living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves and here it comes. They flatter others to get what they want. So he wasn't a flatterer, but he was generous. Generosity always encourages others. It says in Acts 4, he sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Barnabas was a Levite, but not all Levites were priests. However, most of the Levites uh, were typically wealthy and uh, they were highly educated, interesting people. Now, I've worked for a Christian organization for almost 48 years. And we have seen over the years, many wealthy people give great gifts 
But some wealthy people give their gifts with strings attached. Barnabas didn't do that here. You notice he brought the money and he laid it at the feet of the, for the apostles to take it and distribute it as they saw the needs. Psalm thirty-seven twenty-one: The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Isaiah 32, 8. But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. So, he wasn't a flatterer, but he was generous, and he was also, he had discernment. An encourager will have discernment. An encourager will know when to, when to encourage and when to warn. Now, Matthew, uh, Acts 11, 19 to 24. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent someone with discernment, Barnabas, to Antioch, the son of encouragement. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was, was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Now, he could recognize the grace of God and distinguish it from a false movement. An encourager will have discernment. He knew when to encourage and when to warn. An encourager will always encourage with the truth, with what he knows about God, what he knows about the scriptures, and what he knows about the person and the situation. Now, what was he? He was a good man. An encourager is going to be a good person. This word in Greek, agathos, speaks of someone's character. You can see it, that he is good in what he does. It comes out. And you know, when I, when I was looking through this, when I saw he was a good man, the first thing that came to mind was 2 Corinthians 5.15. Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So he was a good man, but it was, says also he was full of the Holy Spirit. Now let's go around to eight different churches in the area. We might get eight different definitions of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. But one thing I know, when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, he is empty of himself. He is not full of himself. And that's why Barnabas was a generous person, because he was not filled with himself. He can see other people's needs and fulfill them. Then it says he was strong in faith. Other versions say he was filled with faith. Um, faith, I think, in many areas, but another, one of the areas that he had faith in, he had faith in God to continue to work in people's lives. Philippians 1.6, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Basically, this says to me, don't give up on people. Keep encouraging them. Barnabas never gave up on Mark. And I'll see that in a minute. Here. Then he was humble. He was humble. Acts 13, 1 to 3. 
Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Watch this. Number one, it was Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me two people, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed hands on them and sent them off. The Greek way of listing people, making a list of people, is the most important person comes first, the least important comes last. And what do we have here? We start off with Barnabas, then we come down here to, uh, to Saul. Now, I, I, I ask, why did the Lord send Barnabas with Saul? And I, I, think, I think it was because of his name, the son of encouragement, characterized by encouragement, to encourage Paul, to help him in those difficult and discouraging situations, the criticism he was going to face, the gossip, his past. After all, he had crimes on his conscience until one day he could say what's recorded in 1 Corinthians fifteen ten: by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. They were sent out as Barnabas and Saul, a little while later, it was Barnabas and Paul. Then it was Paul and Barnabas. And finally, it was Paul. Barnabas had no problem taking second place in giving the platform to, to Paul. Before we close, I want to look at some of the results of his ministry. There were many more, but just a couple. Number one, the ministry of Paul. We got most of the New Testament from Paul. Acts 11.25, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Most commentators believe this was several years later, you know, between, there was lots of years between Acts 9 and 11. So the story continues here. And he went to find him again. When I was growing up, uh, I ran around with a group of interesting people. They were interesting people. And... um, we all ended up in, in a certain church. I went there with really good motives. I went to play on the sports teams. That was all I was interested in. I was going to play on the basketball team that the church had and on their softball team. And um, none of us of this group had Christian parents. In other words, we had no encouragement at home to, to follow Christ. My parents, they, were, they didn't have time for church. They didn't. They never went to church. I saw my dad in church once when we got married. That was it. However, in this church that we were in, the youth pastor was characterized by encouragement. He was a son of encouragement. You know, we all, none of us came from Christian families. We were there. He opened up his home. We went in and out as if we were his own kids. Uh, he had us sitting around. You say, well, that's nothing new. Well, it was new in the 50s in a circle with the Bible open, reading and studying the scripture. That's where I got my love of the scriptures. And, and, uh, and, and he, he was characterized by that. He opened up his life and, 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 and we studied the scripture and we tried to get a Christian worldview. I want to tell you a little bit about that group at, today, many years later. One is a pastor. Another is the wife of that pastor. Another is a pastor. And, and another girl in the group is the wife of that pastor. 
Another is a seminary professor. And another is the wife of that seminary professor. Another is a Dow chemical scientist. Another is a medical doctor. And another in the group is the wife of that medical doctor. And I was part of that group. That's what encouragement can do. You know, when you're constant and consistent, here in this church, we have what is called life on life. You know, if you want to get involved in mentoring, there's two people, the mentor and the mentoree. You can be both at the same time. You know, we have that. We also have, we also have uh, missional communities, an excellent way to encourage and be encouraged. I want to say this one more time. Isolation amplifies any problem. Another result of his ministry, restoration of John Mark. Now, in Acts 15, I'm going to only read a couple of verses, 37 to 40, Acts 15, 37 to 40, Barnabas agreed that they were going to go on this trip and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted. And in, in, in the Spanish translation we worked on, we used abandoned, abandonar, lo abandonó. It's a very strong word in Greek. And he disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. We don't know what the problem was. I researched this, and I came up with 11 possibilities. And so when you have that many possibilities, nobody really knows. You know, I mean, homesick, he was sick, he never made a commitment to go on beyond this point. There was a lot of things. He feared, but we do know he abandoned him. However, 2 Timothy 4, 9 to 11, we pick up the story. Speaking to Timothy, Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, do your best to come to me quickly for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is here with me. Get Mark. The work of Barnabas. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in the ministry. The question is how many Pauls are going to be converted or already in this church that need the son of encouragement? How many Marks, women and men, are going to be converted or already in our congregation that need an encourager next to them. Barnabas was a generous man. He wasn't a flatterer. He was a good man. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was strong in faith. He had discernment, and he was humble. I want to suggest a couple of ways that, just a few, that we might uh, encourage others, practical things to do as we finish tonight. Number one, passages of scripture. The scripture is always encouraging. Um, I, one of the things I do in the Luis Palau team is I'm the, um, help Miguel enlace para America Latina. What's that? Liaison. The liaison uh, for Latin America, for the new next generation of evangelists, which bring together right now a little over 600 evangelists. Well, last year we decided to write a little card of encouragement to a few, not many, a few. The reaction, the response was so great, this year we're going to try to write to all 600. But 
one one thing that happened is that I write I, I choose a, a different try to choose a different verse every time and I wrote Psalm twenty eight on someone's. And he wrote back and he said, I was so this is an evangelist. I was so discouraged. But you know, I looked down Psalm I wonder what Psalm twenty eight's about. So I opened my Bible, looked at it, it was just exactly what I need. A passage of scripture. Psalm 119.28 says, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. And then in Romans 15.4, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement while we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Second, another idea. Pay a person a visit. No agenda. Go over, sit down, talk with him. Encourage them. You know, when we lived in Mexico, um, when if you went over to someone's house, unannounced, just show up, it was an honor. My wife said, here, I think it's better if you, a little phone call first, you know. But pay a visit, no agenda, encourage them. Romans 1.12 says, Paul says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. We had something happen that was really encouraging to us. We'd, uh, right now, my wife has a cast on her, on her foot, and we've had some other issues recently. But one person uh, that was bringing the food over to us that night said, we're going to come and we're going to eat with you. They came over, they brought the food, made it in our kitchen, set the table, sat down and ate with us. It was really encouraging. It really was. Just a suggestion. Next, listening. Not for us, someone else. We're good. The cast is coming off on the fourth. Yes. Listening. Recently, my son, who's a physical therapist, in fact, one of our grandsons was here this morning. Uh, He mentioned how vitally important it is in his profession to listen to the patients. So I looked up. James 1.19, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Then Proverbs 18.13, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. I remember when I was, a, I was in my last year of theological seminary, you know, theological seminary, when you have to study Greek and Hebrew, it was bad. I mean, it was bad. I had Hebrew class with Josh McDowell. Josh, you know, who, have you ever read Josh's books? Josh, he's got a photographic memory. The Hebrew professor would look to find something wrong with his tests. And he'd find one kamas katuf out of, out of place, you know, and that would be it. But, and, so, and then, in other class, I had John MacArthur. And so there I was with uh, Josh McDowell on one side, MacArthur on the road. I was intimidated out of my socks. And... Um, I had finished my, my thesis for graduation, my graduation thesis, and I did it on one Greek word. You know, it's 150 pages on one Greek word. And uh, one of my readers came to me. He, was, he has a doctorate in theology. He knows Greek, he knows Hebrew, and he's well-known. And he comes to me and he says, very interesting. So that's what you think that that word means. And I thought to myself, here's a guy who's got a doctorate in theology who's listening to me. You, I still remember it. It was, it was unbelievably encouraging. Then, 
Number four, a word of encouragement or exhortation could be said at the right time. Proverbs 12, 25, worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. Proverbs 10, 21, the words of the godly encourage many. Then Proverbs 25, 11, this is out of the message. (laughs) A right word at the right time is like custom made piece of jewelry. Then number five, prayer. Pray right then. Pray for people. We were um, at one of my, uh, my classes at the club that I take. My instructor was ill. She was there, but she was ill. And she was walking out, and she goes to a different church that we wouldn't probably consider. Well, we don't consider it. We consider it a cult. But she goes to another church, and she was walking out. She looked around. She looked at me, and Gail was with me. And she said, you know, could you, you know, keep me in your thoughts and maybe pray for me? It was difficult for her to say that, you know. And I said, well, come here. She, there we were in the parking lot. And, and Gail and I laid hands on her right there and prayed for her. And, you know, she, she never thought, uh, forgot that. You know, pray for people. Pray for people. Then, the last one, the gospel. The gospel, after all, is good news. There's no better way to encourage a people than give them the good news about Jesus Christ. You know, when we went through Acts 16, I, I thought about this verse, Acts 16, 34, where it says, he brought them, he'd received the Lord. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. And then in Matthew 9, 2, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. You can encourage people by giving them the gospel. And it's interesting that the NLT on Take Heart translates it, be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. So that's what I want to say to you tonight. Be encouraged and encourage others. Be an encourager. Be a Barnabas. All of us need encouragement. You say, I see Kenny up there. Kenny doesn't need encouragement. He's always on top of it. Believe me, Kenny needs encouragement. Brandon, he's up here playing. He doesn't need... Brandon needs encouragement. Jose needs encouragement. You need encouragement. I need encouragement. We all need it. And that's why I think this passage is in here. We all need to encouragement. We, and and the, the greatest encouragement of all is to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you come discouraged tonight, I want to say what Jesus said. Be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. And if you need to encourage someone, look for the opportunities. Make sure it's based upon truth, your knowledge of God, your knowledge of the scriptures, and your knowledge of the circumstances, and speak into that person's life. It will do a lot for them. Today, I got home. (laughs) I opened my phone. And here's a text from someone in an automobile in Idaho. I had sent my notes to that person and, and, uh, and, and that person read the notes and he was just writing back to encourage me. I mean, that is a wonderful thing. to do. I got home, I was so encouraged by that. Barnabas, characterized by encouragement.